Happy Easter, everyone. Easter Sunday. Uh, most of you are probably familiar or at least aware this weekend is the biggest date in the Christian calendar. It's what Christianity really is represented from this weekend. It's the death and... The death and... The resurrection. If it was just the death of Jesus, we'd be stuck in cry mode for the rest of our life. But the good news is He rose again and defeated humanity's greatest enemy called death. No one has ever beaten death. No one can. You can freeze your cells. You can freeze your whatever you want to freeze and pay a lot of money to a special lab in California or some unique part of the world. And hopefully in 50 or 100 years, they'll find something that will resurrect you. I'm telling you now, no one can beat death. No one cheats death. Death is the great equaliser that all human beings face. Doesn't matter how much money you've made, death doesn't care. It doesn't matter if you've got nothing in the bank, death doesn't care. It doesn't matter if you've got a billion followers on your Instagram, death doesn't care. It doesn't matter how, if you got hair on your head or hair went a long time ago, death doesn't care. It's the great equaliser. All people will be brought to the same level when it comes to death. Think about that. And the only one that could beat it was God Himself. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Death, defeated forever. In Jesus' Name. I know I'm gonna hear a little bit of comments about this later with my family. What are you talking about death for? Talk about life. Well, to talk about life, you have to understand there is death. It's just in Europe, we get so paranoid about death, but most parts of the world live with life and death every day. You just live here too long and you'll realise that we do not handle death very well because of our culture and because of our philosophy and because of our viewpoints in life. But you move to different parts of the world, different continents, and you interact with different communities who have to feed their children every single day, who literally struggle with starvation and famine and all sorts of injustice and systems that don't exist. They are here, but they're not there. And they have this sense of perspective that will shock you about this broad sense of life and death and they coexisting. But the Easter message cannot be spoken about without acknowledging death. And, but it's not just there, it's you've also got to talk about life. And these are the things that we need to talk about in our 21st century culture. Are we post-Christian? Some people ask that question. Christianity's already gone around the world. It's already been through Europe. Paul one day, the Apostle who started off with the letters, who started off before the other eyewitnesses with Jesus, he has an encounter uh, through a dream, through a vision, the Holy Spirit um, shows him someone, a, a man from Macedonia. And Paul was going in this direction and through that dream, changed his plans and went in this direction. This direction is what we call Europe, Western Europe. So wherever Paul went, wherever he preached, because he was the first one out with the missionary journeys, Christianity was in Jerusalem. Jesus died in Jerusalem. The disciples were dispersed. They were scared, they were fearful. They were like, oh my goodness, this guy's amazing. And now he's dead? They thought he was a political activist. They thought he was gonna get rid of Rome's oppression. They were an occupied people, an occupied nation. 
They were persecuted. They were under pressure. They were under the pressure of other regimes and other ideas and other viewpoints. And so they were looking Jesus through the lens that most of us look through today. We think we can solve everything through politics and through economy. God comes into our life and He says, I'm not gonna solve it through politics or economy. I'm gonna solve it with my life. I'm gonna do something that no one else can do. I'm gonna pay the debt that no person can pay. And so we have to understand that this person that we're talking about, Jesus, is not like anyone else. When followers of religions or founders of religions, when we, if we, they're born and they have some kind of perspective and then they later, often many of them years later, their, their viewpoints and their philosophy, their teaching, their values are captured and put in writing, often sometimes a long, long time after they've died. Well, Christianity is very similar. Jesus was alive and He didn't write books and He didn't, you know, and you know, do any of that stuff. He, he, he literally walked amongst the people. He didn't travel very far. Only had a three year window. But when He was born, He wasn't born to write books. He was born to die. He knew what He was here for. He knew why He was here. Most founders of religions around the world that we talk about today, they lived a long life, relatively long life. Some people would say successful in what their mission was. Jesus died at 33 years of age, young, before His time. And yet we're still talking about Him today. He's still the most influential, absolute voice in any situation you can come up with. We quote Him and we don't even know we quote Him. We reference Him and we don't even know it. He's in the very fabric and essence of everyday life. The very air we breathe is a gift and a grace of God towards humanity. The whole universe, Joyce read it, is run by His presence. And so what we've got to remember is Easter is a big deal. A lot of people in our society, in our city, wouldn't care less about the cross. They might have a crucifix, they might have some jewellery, they might have a tattoo, but they have no understanding of the power of the cross. They might have even grown up in going to church and hearing messages, but that doesn't transform your life. You've got to have your own revelation of the cross. And then there's others that don't think enough of the cross. They, don't, they think too little of the cross. And that can be often many believers today in Western culture. Oh yeah, I know about that. Yeah, I know about that. Yeah, I've been to church. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, I've got a Bible. I've got two. I've got three. We're casual, flippant, too casual about it. One of the ways you know that you've got an understanding of this Easter message is because it transforms you. And it continues to transform you. I came to Jesus at the age of 23. I'm now 55 last Thursday. So that's 32 years I've been going to church and I've never missed Easter. Never. Why would I? Why should I? Because it's the very essence and it gives us the very substance of the why behind what we do. And so I'm gonna try and give you some understanding and I realise most of you have some awareness um, so today I pray it will refresh you, remind you, encourage you, be uplifting to you, a big strength to you, amen. And then others, maybe you're not sure what you believe. You've come with a friend, you're curious, or maybe you're just, you've hit a wall or life's just gone crazy and you found yourself here by the grace of God, amen. But I know that everyone is here 
in the perfect timing of God. And I pray this message, the Word of God, will be fresh air to you. It will be a breath of fresh air and it will be a strength and a hope to you as you move towards Him and as He moves towards you. So let me read first verse I'm going to read. Um, This is uh, taken from one of the letters in the New Testament. You know, when we talk about Christmas, we often reverse, reverse, uh, review, refer to a few verses from the gospel. So if you remove the Christmas story, you're only taking a few verses from the Bible away, really. But if you want to do that for Easter, you've got to take the whole New Testament away. And so we've got to realize Easter's a big deal. And so the message title today is which side of the cross do you want to live from? Which side of the cross do you want to live from? So let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's going to come up on the screen so you can follow through. And, and again, I want to show you what, what, is, what is said in one of the letters to the new believers, 1 Corinthians 18. And this is giving you context about the cross and the power of it and what God's trying to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognise this message as the very power of God. As the Scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and disregard their most brilliant ideas. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never find Him or know Him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. God's way seems foolish to the Jews because they want signs from heaven. It's foolish to the Greeks who only believe what agrees with their own wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the mighty power of God and the wonderful wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So here Paul is trying to let believers like you and I get an understanding of the power of the cross and how it is considered offensive to some. And this is where we still have today, very much in our own society, this sense of Greek, Athens and Jerusalem Jews. And this is where Jerusalem and Athens, in terms of they are locations, they are cities, but historically these are viewpoints that are still very strong today. It permeates everything because we're all connected in society and history. But he's saying the cross, the message, the message of the cross, it, it, it can be said like foolish, like what, what? And so what we need to listen and understand when it comes to the God's Word, when it comes to this, for our own lives, so that we can be strengthened, refreshed. We've got to remember, Easter always reveals the power of the cross. It's going to reveal the power of the cross. It's going to talk about the power of the cross because you can't stop talking about the power of the cross because God's going to use it to confound the wise. 
Oh, how's God going to do that? Like, what? what, what blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like, what, 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 what nonsense? Well, what's your plan, big man? How are you going to fix our story? You gonna, how are you going to fix our hatred of each other? How are you going to get us all to be in harmony? Where's the blessed of the peacemaker in you then? Come on. Have you got a nap to do this? You got a nap for everything else. Got a food app, got a diet app, got an app app, got an everything app, but have you got a salvation app? What's your plan for salvation? Because whatever we come up with, we're still in the 21st century and we're like, oh my goodness. What a messy decade we have found ourselves in. And it's not just messy, it's disruptive. And any time in history, you'll find that when the human story has disruption, you'll also find that it's chaotic, it's painful, there's suffering, but there's newness coming right on the back of it. We're going somewhere. And it's not nice going through disruption. It's not nice going through chaos. But what happens to us is when things are disrupted, we become aware of things in ways that we don't usually become aware of. You're not really open to new ideas when you're super successful because you kind of believe that your success is a product of you. And so you kind of feel like, well, who are you to tell me? I'm already successful. In other words, your capacity to learn decreases, not increases. You don't believe me? Study any person or any civilization who have had success. If you want to study anything to do with success, just pick sports. The greats that stay great always have one habit that the others don't have. And that is when they win, they go back to the basics immediately. Why? Because they know if they don't, they'll lose their success. The ones that enjoy success celebrate straight away. And guess what? Within the next moment, they've lost it. That's just in sports. So you've got to be, success is another form of failure if you believe you're the one that creates it. And so we've got to remember what Easter is doing for us. It's revealing the power of the cross. What is Christianity without the cross? We wouldn't have Christianity. Christ in us. We have Christianity because of the cross. Another thing that comes out of this is it reveals the power of a death. I know it's not pleasant to talk about death. I realise that, not in our Western culture. But the truth is you have to at least appreciate there is something about this subject that makes people uncomfortable. And we have to come to terms with it and it's not easy, but it is possible. And this is what I think we need to realise. This Easter, we've got to realise there's a power connected to a death here. Now, it's not anyone's death. What is Christianity without the death of Christ? There is no Christianity without Him dying. Lots of people have died. Lots of people have died for good causes. Lots of people have died in building buildings. People have died for building roads. You know, a lot of the things that we see in this own city, how many people have suffered and paid a high price so we can enjoy freedom and mobility and all sorts of amazing things. I remember going to Croatia a few years ago and, and, and they went through a war, a civil war. They went through all sorts of chaos and pain not too long ago. And me and Joyce arrived there and I was like, man, look at the roads, they're amazing. And, and look at the infrastructure and I, everything. It was like, I was like, and yet 
buildings, holes, bullets, explosions, all sorts of things still giving you a reminder the war was not too far away. But they had received money from the EU and there was an integration and there was a plan and there was a, a redevelopment. And it was hard for us to imagine that they'd just gone through hell. But what I need you to understand is, is that the power of a death, the cross shows you the power of His death. See, I think I'm a reasonable person. I'm meaning I'm a good man. It's very subjective when you say good and bad, okay? I realize, but I'm a, I feel like I'm a good man, okay? In other words, I love my wife, I love my children, I love my friends. I love you, the church. That's what I was looking for. The one person said, I love you too. That's all right. But what I am saying is, is I would put myself in harm's way for my family. I put myself in harm's way for my friends. I put my harm's, I actually put myself in harm's way for the people I love. And I'm not a hero. I'm just ordinary like many of us in the room, but I am not gonna let harm come to my family if I've got any strength in me whatsoever. And then some probably go, oh, what about turning the other cheek, Pastor Mark? Don't talk to me right now. Because first of all, you are misquoting the Bible completely, which is annoying and has damaged so many generations for a long time because you have no idea what Jesus is doing in this moment with that Scripture. He's teaching us how to break the cycle of revenge. But I'm talking about me standing and protecting my family. But let's say I do, I get, I get, I get killed in the pursuit of protecting my family. I've died. Now obviously Joyce upset, the kids upset, but the point I'm making, I was gonna die anyway. I'm 55, so I'm not too far away. <laughs> stay with me, stay with me, because not everyone likes this preaching style, but I love it. I've got a long life ahead of me, okay? Amen. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I'm just a man. You're just a person and you have a time frame over your life too. Now I pray long life over you, amen. The point I'm making is this is not just a death. And, that, and I said right at the start, death equals all people. No one beats it, not even professors. But what I am trying to say to you is this, this was God dying for us. Some people look at this and go, ah, oh, you know, all that ancient God stuff, bloodthirsty gods. If you read the Iliad, if you read Homer, you have an understanding and you have it in context there. But you can't sometimes put that into this context because this is different. This is not we're trying to please the gods, the bloodthirsty gods. No, this is God Himself who is solving the problem. In other words, God's not meant to die. God can't die. And yet He puts Himself on the cross so you and I don't have to do that. He does for us what we can't do for ourselves. He closes the gap. He appeases and He pays every debt, all the wrongs, all the sin, all of our acts of rebellion, all of our brokenness, all of our guilt, shame, anything in our human story has been put on the person of Christ. It's the single greatest profound act of love the human story will ever record. It was the time where God made a clear distinction. There's a new era. And so He was dealing with past and He was also dealing with the future. 
through that moment. That's why you can't ignore the cross and that's why we're not gonna stop singing about it, preaching about it, declaring it in Jesus' name. It's just helpful when God's people understand what it can do for their own lives. It's gotta be an ongoing transformation, but you have gotta realise what this was. This was the death of God. He, he took all that's wrong with us and He's the one, was the only one. And the reason you have to understand this, and I know this is, again, complicated in some ways, but you've got to remember, God, He's without sin. He's the only one who could qualify. No one could do this. There's no substitute. There's not like, oh, well, I don't like Him. Can we get Him in? You know, like, for God so loved the world that He sent. No, for God so loved the world that He sent someone else He didn't like. He sent Family to reach family. Think about it like that. So think about it. It reveals the power of a death, but not any death, the death of Christ. In other words, He's the only one who could do it because He's the only one. And He had to pull, full, Jesus had to put full faith that His Father would raise Him back to life. There's so much in here. It's like we need months and years to get into this. Third one I want to highlight from this passage is Easter reveals the power of the resurrection. There is no Christianity without the resurrection. I mean, if He died for us, oh my goodness, we're stuck in tears forever. Be so sad. But the joy comes in the morning because He rises from the dead. And we've been singing. I think we sung it. I don't know which one when we did it, but the stone's been rolled away. The stone's been rolled away. The stone's been rolled away. The roll, 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 roll. stone's been rolled away. I don't know. I don't even know. I am not a songwriter. You can tell. It's not my gift. But what I can tell you now, the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus. The stone was rolled away for us. Think about it. He's God. He could have just walked through the thing. You read the Bible verses, especially in Acts. He turns up in buildings. He turns up at the beach. He cooks some fish. He eats the fish, but He's just walking through buildings because He's resurrected. He's God. It's it'll trippy. Blow your mind with some of these things in the Gospels or in the New Testament. He could have just walked through it. The stone was rolled away for us. Verifiable evidence. That's what the New Testament or the, the letters have got so much evidence for us that can actually historical evidence so we can go, okay. And so there's so much in there as well, but I want you to understand each reveals the power of the resurrection. Do you realise that if He's alive forevermore, what does that mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for your family, for your loved ones? And another one just want to finish on here is the Easter points to the right side of the cross. So we've got the Easter reveals the power of the cross. Easter reveals the death of the, the power of a death. The Easter reveals the power of the resurrection. But this is where I want to try and help you here. And I've put seven things, seven things about what was accomplished. Now there's a lot more, but seven is because we all know the best football players wear number seven. No, it's God's number and it's the number of completion. So I like seven, so that's what you're getting. But seven things that was accomplished. So it's a card you can get. I think it's gonna be printed next week, but the it can be downloaded with the notes. And all of my notes, I'm not sharing all of them with you, but they're all my notes I will share with you. I'm not just speaking from all of my notes today. Um, but the seven things, and I really feel like it's a great tool for you to hold on to because it reminds you. You can look at the Scriptures yourself. You can share it with your friends and you can really just keep building a spirit of faith in your own life. So you go, I'm strong in Jesus' Name, amen. Spiritually fit in Jesus' Name. So there's seven things there. Like for example, Jesus was punished so that you could be forgiven. 
Romans chapter 5. Jesus was wounded so you could be healed, 1 Peter chapter 2. So there's lots of verses and lots of things that can help you. But this last one I want to finish on is to do with really which side of the cross are you going to live your life from? You get to choose. You get to choose. And so what I'm going to do is illustrate it because I find that it just helps speed up and it helps give an impression that maybe maybe you can carry with you um, into the week or maybe you can remember for a long time. Images sometimes just stick and I want to try and give you a visual of what has happened through the cross to you, to us, and what can happen when we believe and what needs to stay so that we can continue on this journey of faith. Amen. Is that okay? Are you okay for that? You believe? You excited? You like the person you sit next to? You like me? I like you. All right, come up here, 12 people. And what I want to do is just the last one, reminding ourselves again what Paul said, the message of the cross sounds foolish to those on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognise this message as the very power of God. So let's imagine the cross, we've got the cross there. And on this side of the cross, I was on this side of the cross for 23 years. I had no idea. Um, I knew it was a piece of jewelry. I uh, did not really understand because my parents didn't raise me as a Christian, didn't raise me in a, in a godly way at all. We were just normal people, but there was no religion, no church in our family. So, and that was mainly when I did become a Christian, I found out it's because my mum and dad had bad experiences with religion. And some of you would probably understand that or relate to that. But on this side of the cross, there's no doubt that fear can be a part of our lives. Maybe there's people in this room and you're just ruled by too much fear. But this is what Easter can do. It can reverse the curse. It can turn it around. It lets us know that that's not a permanent position in life. And so that is something we realise it's real for us. Enemy, enemy to God. I didn't feel like I was an enemy God. I just didn't know Him. Didn't really wanna know Him. I didn't feel like I could live for Him. I didn't feel like that He was interested in me. So I wasn't really interested in Him. It was me getting on with my life and please don't interrupt. I didn't really feel like an enemy to God, but the truth is, because of my sin nature, because of my self-centeredness, I wasn't living for Him, I was living for myself, which put me as an enemy to the very things of God. The only thing that could help me break that was the cross, Jesus. Sin-focused, well, I would have never have said I was sin-focused because I didn't even know what sin was. I didn't hear the word till I started going to church, but sin-focus is just so preoccupied by me. I thought I was a good person, but at the end of the day, who's good and who's bad and who gets to decide? 80% good, 20% bad. I don't know what percentage you lived your life with, but I would have probably put myself in the 90s, 99% good, oh, I have a bad day now and again. That's a lie. Okay, 90%, 10%, come on, tell the truth, Mark. All right, 50-50. No, I was never that bad. But what I'm trying to say to you is, what game are you gonna play when it comes to percentages in your life? Well, I'm all, I'm a good person. Yeah, give me the number then. It's not a numbers game, people. Sin focus 
on this side of the cross. Rejection, I don't know, but everybody's got to figure rejection out at some level. It's horrible when a child is rejected and they struggle for the rest of their years. But rejection can happen at many. Rejected at work, rejected in a relationship, rejected, I don't know, but rejection is too much a problem in our lives and it permeates everything. If you've been rejected, it will start to work in all future interactions because you've got it in the back of your mind. Am I going to get rejected? Are they going to reject me? And it's a real it's a real problem. Self-centeredness, that's easy. We can do that. We're first, we've got degrees in that. Problems are bigger. It's amazing how we can have a small problem, but we just make it so much bigger. Who's good at that? Who's good at making a small problem massive? Don't put your hand up. Just look straight ahead. Broken, shame. Maybe there's things that you're not, you're not proud of. You've done things, you've seen things, things have happened to you and you're like, shame, shame, shame. And it's amazing how that stigma of shame can be so strong and paralyzing over people's lives. Guilty, lost, cursed, broken. And these are all the things and there'd be many, many more. And maybe there's people in this room, you could come up with your own version. Complicated, annoying, or maybe you could say just interesting. Or another one, unique. Well, we're all unique, there's no doubt about it. But what am I going to say? What could you say on the other side of the cross? And this why this is why the cross is so powerful is you've got to choose which side of the cross you're going to live in. Do you want to live on this side or do you want to live on the other side? So let's cross over to the other side of the cross and let's see what happens. On the other side of the cross, something happens. Amen. You can give them encouragement if you want. Now they're on this side of the cross, amen. It's a figure of speech. But it's amazing how on this side, fear, love, on this side of the cross, you've got a constant reminder that you're loved forever, forever loved. God has promised His unconditional love, agape love. Seeking your well-being and welfare regardless of your response emotionally in any other way. He is committed to love. It is the most beautiful thing because love will transform you all the time. You're not human love, God's love. Because God's love's pure. Human love is tainted. God's love is pure. Amen. And this is the love that you draw from and that's the love that you start to give to others. The same love you've received from Him is the same love that you start to give towards others, amen? So you can see how God uses broken humanity, restores us, and then starts to heal the world through what He does inside of us. Where's God? In you. Where's God? Working through you. Where's God in this mess? Turn up in you. When you turn up, God turns up. Come on, people. What do you think He's gonna do? Maven magic wand? The cross is not a wand. It's real. It's an exchange. And God says, now I'm going to let how loved you are. Because when you know how loved you are, it's how loving you will be. A loved man is a loving man. A loved woman is a loving woman. A loved child is a loving child. A broken child will cause a lot of pain as they get older. A broken man is hard to repair. A broken spirit is hard to get back, but it's not impossible with the cross. Amen.
So now, no longer an enemy to God, I have now become a friend to God, amen? No longer an enemy, I'm a friend. And it's not yin-yang, one minute, oh, Monday I'm an enemy with God, Sunday I'm a friend with God. It's not like yo-yo land. You're a friend. This is permanent. This is permanent. Problems are big. Now I just realise God's bigger than any problem. Which side of the cross are you going to live from? Sin-focused, Christ-focused. Ah, I got issues. I know, but I'm with Christ now. Where am I safe with my issues? Christ. Well, hang on, hang on. I'm supposed to have no issues that now I'm a Christian. Oh my goodness, what book have you been reading? No, there's still issues. You're just in a safer place with them. Over here, you hide your issues. <laughs> Over here, be careful with your issues. In other words, take responsibility for them and watch what God can do with them. But it's not. Religion wants you to hide it. I'm free. I'm not really free, but I'll act like it. Over here, you are free, and you just got to remind yourself, stay free and take responsibility for whatever issues surface. But Christ's focus will help you to see a way forward. When you're sin-focused, you're just going to shrink your world like crazy. But when you're Christ-focused, He lifts your head. If you will lift Him up, He will lift you up. If you will make it about Him, He will make it about you. If you make it about yourself, then you're in trouble. And everyone else around you is in trouble. So restored, amen. I was broken. How many times do we have brokenness in our lives? And yet He says through the cross, but I can restore you because I will reverse that brokenness and I will let you know that I can restore you in Jesus' Name, amen. I will take the tears, that you have in your past and I will water your future with it in Jesus' Name, Amen. So He takes everything, turns our shame and turns it into joy. There's nothing worse than having a spirit of shame over your life, feeling shamed and it, it's, it just shrinks your life, but joy enlarges your life, Amen. Who wants to be around a spirit of joy, Amen, Amen. But who wants to be around a spirit of shame? <laughs> no, 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 no. Forgiven, Amen. And it's not part-time. I was guilty and now I am forgiven. That is forever. It's not part-time forgiveness. It's not part-time forgiveness. It's you are forever forgiven. Past, present, future, salvation. I've got it. I'm getting it. Amen. Oh, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I have forgiven you through the cross. What's the best thing I can say then? Sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. You want Him to keep turning up in your life, just admit that you need help. Humility will attract Him. Pride will repel Him, okay? Forgiven, lost, now you're rescued, amen? amen. Blessed, stay blessed. <laughs> healed, broken, but now I'm healed. Acceptance, we all want acceptance. No longer rejected, always accepted. No longer rejected, always accepted. No longer rejected, always. Come on, help me out here. No longer rejected, always accepted. I can hear you, but I can't hear you. How much do we want acceptance? We're desperate. 
We crave acceptance. I've never known someone go, reject me, reject me, reject me, reject me. Come on, I dare you to reject me. No, 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 it just doesn't work that way. Accept me, accept me. Would you accept me? Would you accept me? Would you accept me? If I dress like you, would you accept me? If I behave like you, would you accept me? If I fit into your group, would you accept me? Can I behave like you? Would you accept me? Can I dance like you? Will you accept me? Can I do what you want? Then you'll accept me? That is a nightmare that no one can sustain. It exhausts us. Christ turns up and says, I accept you exactly the way you are. You don't need to jump for me. You don't need to dance for me. You don't need to perform for me. You don't need to do anything. I will do it for you. Because of His love, it melts us, disarms us, softens us. Yes, we become vulnerable, but let me tell you, vulnerability does not lack courage. It is oozing courage because you begin to respond like a mirror. The same energy you're getting is the same you start to give back. You know He's for you. You start to, you start to. You meet a child that knows you, but they haven't seen you for a while. They're like, give them a few minutes. They're like, and that's what you and I are like with Jesus. We're like, uh, really? Really? Amen. Come on, get the right picture. But this is what you don't do. This is what you don't do. You don't go back to the other side of the cross. What's back there for you? What's back there for you? Come with me, Tony. Come, come, come. What's the po- Connie, did I call you Tony? That's still a cool name. Listen, listen, Tony. Listen, listen, listen. What's back there? When you've been on this side of the cross, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Because all you're going to do is get back to this side of the cross and there's someone going to say to you, what are you doing here? Get back over there. Get back over there. Because it's finished. The work of Christ is complete. It's not undone. It's not breakable. It is a perfect work. It is done. It is done. It is done. He's alive forevermore. So what He has accomplished in us, He can sustain over us. You just need to hold on and make a decision which side of the cross you're going to live from. It matters what water you draw from. It matters which well you get your source from, amen? Get your source from Him. Over here, weak. Here, His strength lifts me when I feel weak. Amen? What's here for you? But what's here for you? Which one do you wanna be at? Do you wanna be here or do you wanna be here? That's what Easter's all about. It's a chance to move us to better days. And not just better days, better months, better years, a better life. And more importantly, eternal life. So which side of the cross are you going to live your life from?